This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal. Welcome back into the portal. I'm Amber Ray. And I'm Andrew McKay. And welcome back. It's film, film Friday. Friday. Yes, <laughs> I'm trying to go dark on this. I'm so it's film okay. Friday. Sorry. Because today we are we're taking a trip back to the 90s here, guys. <laughs> That's not dark. <laughs> <laughs> we're looking at 1998 film Dark City. Um, who suggested this one to us? We uh, gave him a shout out already on social media, but it's Bradley. It's Bradley. Bradley Morris. Sweet. Yeah. Great suggestion. Mm-hmm. Totally fits in basically everything we are into on the show. Exactly. And I didn't learn this until after we watched it, but it's classified as a neo-noir science fiction, which is pretty much, I, I had never heard that before. It's perfect. Very, very cool. Directed right by Alex Proyas. Uh, the screenplay was written by himself, Lem Dobbs, and David S. Goyer. Mm, the film stars and <laughs> this is quite the name actually and amber and i were trying to figure out what this guy's name was <laughs> he's almost calling him mark ruffalo but not quite <laughs> Rufusolo, no his name is rufus how do you pronounce his last name sewell sewell, sewell. and it's weird because it's like everyone will recognize this guy mm-hmm. but it's like tristan is old hello people that's the right that, yeah. <laughs> people are gonna hate me for saying that because he's been in a lot of other movies that probably are way better in other people's opinion but i love that you like that one because James Franco's in it, isn't it? Oh, shush. I love period pieces and I love romances, so yeah, yeah, sue yeah, me, yeah, okay? Yeah. No, it's a good movie. You're not wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's starring himself, this uh, Rufus, and obviously you got the the B for Sutherland in there. <laughs> Key for Sutherland. I hope I hope someone gets Give that the reference. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer Connelly, who actually has a lovely voice, we learned in this one. Mm-hmm. And William Hurt. Yeah, he's badass. He actually is super badass. Loved it. So, yeah, Suo plays John Murdoch. Kept mm-hmm. thinking of Murdoch mysteries the entire time. <laughs> a man who essentially wakes up with amnesia finds himself a suspect of multiple murders mm-hmm. and their murders of prostitutes. He has all these, like, headlines, like, clips from, like, newspapers in his pocket. It's, like, all set up. Well, wakes he, up completely naked. Yeah. In the bathtub. And, and he's, like... Yeah, he, he he wakes up right at the scene, and then he basically sees a ritualistic killing, and he's not sure if it was him or what. Pretty brutal. So right from the right from Jump Street, you're you're into a pretty intense situation in this movie, which I really liked, and it was all reminding me right off the bat of Sin City, very mm. dark. Yep, light. film noir, light exactly. neo noir, exactly. It makes right? sense. So yeah, he's he's a suspect of murder, and he basically he's he, the whole film is him trying. Well, not the entire film, but the first part of the film is him trying to figure out who he is, right? Mm-hmm, piece it all together. Yeah, yeah. So basically, like I said, he we find him in this bathtub, completely naked, alone. There's like one light swinging, which is actually telling, right? Because it's almost foreshadowing for what comes later on in the movie. Right. Um, and then essentially, he gets this phone call. He dresses himself. It's all very austere very creepy feeling obviously he's just like super out of place like you can tell already he doesn't even know who he is and then he just starts exploring the city and it's like so cool you're right it's like very stylistic i love the cinematography of this film and it's very sin city-esque 
like definitely like proto sin city before it was made definitely and it is a very dark place and you made an interesting comment right because right off the bat when he starts exploring well he's in the hotel right away and the guy tells him to go get his wallet it's almost like he has a trail of breadcrumbs of what he's supposed to do yes and uh and so he gets gets to the place where his wallet supposedly is and it's this super like weirdly futuristic kind of thing going on when he just came from like a almost like a not it's like a, not Victorian, I would say like a modern style, like, like, you know, like a remi- mid-century modern. It reminded like, me of like Great Gatsby, like 20s. Or even earlier, hotel. actually, that makes sense. Yeah, it was a little more elaborate. Yeah, mm-hmm. but the, but what you saw, you probably did see that though, because essentially what we get in this movie is, yeah, mid-century modern. Every era, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's very anachronistic. Mm-hmm. And I love using that word um, <laughs> because it's the most... I, I think that's so just bizarre and obscure, obviously. Like, if you were in a place, you see a 1940s car, and then, like you just said, he shows up in this super futuristic restaurant where it's, like, bizarre. dispensing a burger out of this this door flips up. and <laughs> Must push the button. <laughs> it's very, very strange. And, of course, he is he, he has no memory. Mm-hmm. So everyone else is going about this, and they're all just like, whatever. And he's slowly realizing they're almost, like, they're not automaton-like, but there's an element to it. There definitely is. There's something weird going on. And it just gets weirder and weirder as the film progresses. I really loved this quote here. I just wanted to read this out before we get too into our points of interest about the film. Uh, this is from the AV Club. It's just a review. But it says here, The dreamlike imagery renders the film's transitions between a hermetically seal- sealed film... Oh, sorry. <laughs> I totally miffed <laughs> Start over, start over, start over. It's all good. <laughs> the dreamlike imagery renders the film's transitions between a hermetically sealed noir world and a metropolis-like underground lair surprisingly fluid, with its shifting architectural styles, confusing subway lines, and constant echoes of the past. Dark City evokes a nightmare of city life. Murdoch always seems to be uncovering new crevices and hallways as he searches for interesting yeah i really like that one i just thought it really yeah they did a good job of describing just the mood of it all definitely and and also i feel like embedded in that is kind of like they might even be sort of saying that the film is is making a commentary on directly like how i don't even know Mm. like maybe a city like new york or something like that or oh yeah just metropolis in general metropolises in general Mm -hmm. and how overcrowded and weird they can be and yeah well even yeah the effect on populations and how humans yeah they do behave a lot differently yeah (laughs) i mean i guess that's almost too obvious like it's not like i'm discovering anything profound in that but (laughs) it's not what you are thinking of when you're watching the movie because it is a sci-fi yeah but uh, it's not like a political you don't it's not overtly anything like that no not overtly i would say uh but yeah so basically john he is an interesting bird to say the least I he love even, this actor. He, he did a really good job. Like, he, his face, you get a lot of close-ups, especially on the eyes. Mm-hmm. His eyes convey a lot. He His entire career is based on his eyes, that guy. <laughs> you think? Oh, yeah. Which is actually interesting because they're, they're irregular, right? Like, the one is very much smaller than the other. Is like, it? Yeah. It's, it's more of not the eye itself, but just, it's just the, the lid. Just, his, just the way... The lid hangs. Yeah, he just, he's got this kind of... <laughs> Make it the lid hang. <laughs> no, he does. He, he's got this very... Well, because, yeah, he wakes up thinking he's a killer, and everyone keeps saying to him, like, you don't look like a killer. Like, you don't seem like the killer type. And I know that's just the character mm-hmm. in the movie, but it's very much his appearance. Yeah. Do you want to get back to that first one? I have a lot to say about that very first scene. Yeah, sure. Let's do um, it. Yeah. They're... Okay. 
yeah, I really loved all of the foreshadowing. Like I said, you get the light swinging, which there's no reason for that light to be swinging unless something hit it, right? Which means someone else was in the room or something. Right. And then you also get him waking up fully naked in water. Water is especially symbolic in this film. We get a lot of references to the beach, to the ocean, and uh, seemingly never being able to get there or attain it. Mm -hmm. And then just the fact of him waking up in water, I just feel is very symbolic. And then when he finds the postcard for Shell Beach in his and amongst his belongings quote-unquote because he doesn't know what this is his brand new shoes right he looks he turns over the sole and it hasn't been worn yeah so that's bizarre (laughs) and then you also get which is very like i guess it is noticeable but it's very telling right for what's actually going on in the film you see the bead of blood on his forehead which is of Mm. course the way that they implant these new memories in people and new identities which we haven't actually gotten into yet, but if you you guys all have all watched the shows, so yeah, we hope we're on so. The same page we hope here. so. But anyways, I just loved that first scene, and the more I thought about it, the more I just feel like it was a brilliant first scene, really. Yeah. And the no, way it that was they, for sure. And and how disturbed he is, and how he comes across, like you said, like almost like a ritualistic killing. Right. And uh, it, it's very uh, it closely resembles the opening um, imagery. When you get like the credits and you just see a bunch of swirls, yeah, and it's just like these bizarre whatever, just amorphous swirls, and then you get that all over the body of the the prostitute or whatever, right. the dead girl, so, which is very much foreshadowing as well, obviously, to what they discover. I had a question for you about that. Like, sure. what do you think that is? The like, swir- the swirling? exactly, yeah. Like, what's... I feel like it's just the descent into madness. It's the spiral down the hole, the rabbit hole that is never being able to escape this place. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of get that with the cop, the, mm-hmm. the the friend of Officer. What was it in Bumgard or something? Bumgardner or something like that. Or, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, did, did you mean Detective Walensky, the guy that went crazy? Yeah, and he's guy? drawing the circles, all the spirals all over his walls, right? Because he's yeah. he starts off almost trying to draw what seems to be like the streets outlining the city and mm-hmm. he's trying to trace his way to a way out and we're getting Rat ahead of ourselves here but well you get that first imagery with the doctor right right when... in a maze yeah. exactly exactly uh, Kiefer, so... Kiefer Sutherland's character um, who was the only weak point in this movie I'll say and to, and to be totally honest with you his character yeah. his, and honestly and it wasn't even him like I, I don't think he's the greatest actor of all time or anything obviously he's he's okay he's good he's all right but he he's a tv actor for the most part mm-hmm. which is nothing wrong with that <laughs> but, no, no, but he's he chose the dumbest voice for yeah. this movie that was the only part about this movie that i have a bone the delivery to pick with. was kind of weak it was just a little bit like he was trying to almost be like this weird he was trying to have almost like a german or swiss faint european-esque accent to it or something where he's like i'm know. only going to say things like a really annoying like, like he's already of he's out of breath all the time yeah no he's just it was it wasn't cool. it was weak and it just reminded me of like the sniveling like um laboratory assistant right. oh master <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, was it wasn't like my that. favorite and i actually had a point in the notes here but i'll just bring it up now before we get to um, any more stuff though like i want to touch on how this all happens because we have oh, you're not gonna let me get my point across okay 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 I, i'm sorry i'm sorry i just feel like it might be confusing at this point you think? Okay, fine. Let's get into well, it. Well, Murdoch, mm-hmm. they get into it really quick in the movie, too. And you, everyone out there listening knows that I like that. Get into things quickly for Andrew, my mm-hmm. attention span. But you find out very quickly when... Less dialogue, the better. <laughs> no, I like dialogue, but just, it's got to be good dialogue. Get into it, you know what I'm saying? He finds out very quickly that he's being followed by these strangers. Right. And mm-hmm. they, one of them falls in the, in the first scene when he encounters them and cracks its head open and this weird amorphous clearly alien thing some sort of thing is trying to crawl out of the head but then it dies 
Mm-hmm. So it clearly needs a host. Yeah. It's parasitic in a way. It's almost like The Thing. Oh, yeah. For those of you who have seen those movies, and mm-hmm. you should by now. But that's the first instance we see. John's freaked out. And from then on in, he's he's realizing that these things have... That that this isn't really his home, right? This isn't his home city. No. <laughs> this isn't Earth, maybe even. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, that's a really good point. Sorry. Like so he's he's just on the run essentially yes. because he he realized well he gets the call from Kiefer. <laughs> the call from Kiefer. No, from uh Kiefer's character, whatever his name was. I, I just can that. only think of Bob's Burgers uh, I, whenever I, I hear that. <laughs> what beef? And I gave away the reference, but yeah. it's just I can't help it. But anyways, yeah, so he essentially gets the call from Kiefer and hits the road because he sees that he's basically being followed by these creepy ass people that have these strange hats and are very, very pale and all look the same. So it's interesting that they have human hosts, but those hosts actually almost transform into a a weird uniformity that isn't actually Yeah, like they're all supposed to be dead. And even the kid, right? Because there's this one that's like a kid. Yeah. And exactly the same. Yeah. There was even one in the very end scene, like in the climax of the movie, where he's like actually like a baby. So it's almost like they do have, yeah, they almost do kind of form into their hosts and give them And that's part, I'm theorizing here, that's part of their collective unconscious, the fact that they don't have any concept of individuality. Right. Mm -hmm. Because that's a very important theme. That's what they want from these people, obviously. Because they're a dying race is the premise that we get in the movie. We don't understand why they're dying. It's some sort of thing that rests on the fact that they have no individuality, seemingly, even though that's not really clarified by them or by anyone else in the movie. It's it's so ironic because right? like yeah no it's not and it's so I, they never even say that that's has anything to do with the reason why they're dying out you know what I mean no they, they never connect the dots but no. seemingly that's why why else would they be pursuing this to such ends right, right? like because it's the answer to their problem seemingly but yeah. I don't know hmm. um, but yeah so they're essentially on this mission so they're after after um, Murdoch. And he has that, yeah, that sort of scene on the billboard of Shell Beach, which again, we get these references to Shell Beach all the time. It's very interesting. No one seems to know where it is. But everyone's been there. Everyone's been there. They have a memory of it. They just don't know how to get there. And when you go to the subway that's supposed to get you there, it just goes racing by and never stops. (laughs) So it's just this weird thing. But like you said, he dies. And like, it's actually... um, Murdoch's fault like he ends up the sign like the the arm of the chick like ends up chopping off the back of his head which is brilliant in my opinion yeah it's like a classic karate chop like yes yes that's right that's how it went down that's right (laughs) and then you get this weird stuff but then they start to they start to unravel the plot a little bit more here with these telekinetic powers that these strangers have right and the shifting of the city and how john miraculously seems to be exempt from this like um automatic falling asleep that everyone goes under at 12 yes 12 midnight is it like or every whenever 12 they, hours it's every 12 hours mm-hmm. or whenever they want exactly so they can put people to sleep whenever totally so they seem to have other powers too obviously like it's all it's all mind control based because they don't have any arms or legs or anything it's all yeah it's all that's a really good point yeah it's almost as if they they have these bodies because they need them, but they're not actually even using them no, at all. They're no. just using their minds, which right. is so cool. And here's the other thing, before I forget, because I didn't add this to the notes, I think the other reason for the bodies is the fa- is that they can now use human language individual as individuals and communicate with each other for this master plan that they're concocting with these rat with the humans as rats in a maze. Mm-hmm. If they were only existing outside of their hosts and wherever they can survive without hosts and only have this collective unconscious, then... 
this collective consciousness, then you can't really... I, f- I think it would be hard to organize that way. You know what I mean? And that's mm. why they make an end point of emphasis of being giving people names and like Mr. calling Hand. Mr. Hand, Mr. Shed, Mr. Quick, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Shed's the most confusing one, I think. But it's just random objects, right? It could be anything. It could be Mr. Mr. I don't even know anything. Mr. Microwave, Mr. Wall, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Quick, which ends up being the one that gets killed. That's the one to me that doesn't make sense because that's not an object. Unless you're talking about Nestle's yeah, quick. That's true. Well, Mr. S- isn't there a Mr. Sleep, too? Yeah, oh, that's right. Just... That's right. Mr. Sleep. Mr. Yep. Sleep. There's a lot of things going on. Indeed. So they do have these weird powers, and they're using it to, yeah, basically, they're shifting the maze every 12 hours, yeah. or, or, like you said, whenever they want to. They can just freeze time. It's like their crazy little experiment. But, it, uh, yeah, so but I took it as they're floating in space. It's outer space. There is this, like, sort of, like, a membrane-like barrier around the whole thing. And it's just got this, like, it's like a, it's almost like a gear or something, or like, you know what I mean? Like, it looks like a wheel, because it's like turning, and then it's got this, like, inner mechanism that's almost like self-generate, it's like a generator. It looks like, yeah, it looks like a, yeah, like almost like the inner workings of a really complicated watch or something, um, Mm -hmm. with all these, yeah, gears and things, but it's like a... It's almost like the mechanical version of the center of a planet mm-hmm. is how I thought of it. Like it's a yeah. reconstruction. It's a fake. Everything's fake, but it's like it the is. fake inner workings of a core. It's fake, but there's something physical there. And I really liked that, how it wasn't like the Matrix where it's all in your mind. You're sitting in a little pod and it's all your imagination. There's something tangible there. And it's the combination of their psychic and telekinetic abilities and this I don't even know. It almost looks like a plasma when it's coming out of the center of the machine, as it's called. Right. Like the gen- I'm assuming I'm just gonna call it a generator because that's essentially sure. what it is. Yeah, it is. And you see the swirl of buildings, like towers yes. going, and they're like they're spiraling up, and then they're just gonna form somewhere on the surface. Well, this just brings us to the conversation of what is matter and really what at the root of it, right? Mm-hmm. And dark matter and all these things, because yeah, yeah. they're they're literally using telekinetic power in the movie to. You to ob- create, to- generate, and construct stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's pretty bizarre. That. Very cool. Yeah. This movie, I'm going to say it right now, I don't care who doesn't like it. Hands down, better than The Matrix. Yeah, it is. It and should have been. It wasn't set up for a trilogy like, uh, no. like good old Neo was. I'm not saying The Matrix was bad. They were super fun. They were but, fun. But uh, this movie was better, in my it's, opinion. It's really cool. I just like the idea more. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Like, I it's do, just, too. And the way, the cinematography, the way they laid it out. Right. Like, I didn't really like the style of The Matrix. I'm just going to say that right now. It's like, like very it was 1999 like, kind of feel. Yeah, it was kind of like that, wasn't it? This one was just way cooler, way darker. This noir element is just Definitely. got it going on, very I would say. So. I have a question for you. What's up? Kiefer makes a comment about how they do... He, he's the one who tells them that they have this machine beneath the soil, is mm-hmm. how he describes it. Because even, even he doesn't really know where they are. No, he had to wipe something. We don't, we don't get to see where they are until the end, right? Mm-hmm. But he, he thinks they're on a planet, presumably, in a little cage, like mice or rats. Yeah. And he thinks that there's a ground that they're on and there's machines underneath the ground. It's sort of like that, mm-hmm. but not really. But he makes that comment. I'm like, oh, well, now no, I'm losing my train of thought. Oh, crap. Oh, no. Oh, no. You're going to ask me a question. I forgot the question. Well, I'll come back to it. Keep, you, yeah. I have a question Keep going. I'll come you. back to it. I'll come back to it. Okay, so... <clears throat> Big question here. How the heck do you think John got these abilities? Right. Well... That's a big question. There's... In my mind, there's two... He's like the chosen one. In a way. Well, 
Where do you think Matrix got the idea, guys? <laughs> no, actually, though, there, that is basically this movie inf- yeah. heavily influenced that series for sure. It came I out before. I imagine so. Mm-hmm. I think it was either the Doctor concocted it himself as some sort of a way of fighting back because he was like, I'm just a pawn in this game. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can find a way out because I'm the one who gets to keep my memories, at least of where I am right now. He, mm. his, his whole family was erased. But he knows he's a doctor. He knows who he is, right? Yeah. So he could have maybe combined human. I mean, obviously, there's this weird DNA memory thing going on, and they've concocted this stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe he combined it with some of whatever they are and did it on purpose. Mm-hmm. The other version would be that it's totally by fluke, and it's just the fact that, like, he really is like a chosen one type situation. Mm-hmm. And his, he, even on Earth, would be the person who could maybe bend a spoon with your mind if you really tried to or whatever, right? Like, you're. Mm-hmm. And he's now he can tune. tune because he's he's, that's he's I didn't in mean the to right. Say that. He's in tune. Yeah, he's tuning, <laughs> and that's what they call it. And that's such a good way of describing it. I, I love feel that. Like. Yeah, the concept is really interesting. Yeah, yeah. that's a really good answer because I honestly didn't have an answer to that question. Oh, okay. I just he woke up and I just kind of assumed as like yeah, exactly. Well, it must have been a product of the thought. experiment, right? I think so. Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that that makes the most sense. I mean, you got this doctor performing these. I mean, and he, he's, he, I'll give Kiefer the one thing. He does kind of have that good, creepy doctor vibe. Yeah. I don't know. His limp wasn't convincing to me at all. Was he though. limping? And neither, I'm going to bring it up now because his he limp. didn't let me bring it up earlier. Sorry. But his. <laughs> his limp wasn't convincing. No, it wasn't. <laughs> and that's the least of his worries because his makeup artist did a terrible job too. That Ooh. eye flap was ridiculous. Ooh. It looked terrible. It yeah, was bad. Yeah. And this is a movie that is really dark. Like, easily, you could hide that in shadowing and whatever yeah. else. But even that didn't save it. So They should have used scared. Samuel L. Jackson as the doctor. <laughs> That's my opinion. That would have been, been great. <laughs> okay, so let's get on to some more of these themes. Because I have a lot more to say about this film. Um, I, the Murdoch experiment itself with the, the strangers, as they're called. Right. The idea that they're trying to an- implant all, what else? all of his memories, I guess you could say, into one of their own. And so I feel like maybe that's what it might have happened when he was a part Ooh, of that experiment. That makes sense, yeah. And then he wakes up, and the question I have, too, again, is, like, he wakes up in the scene of the murder, presuming that he committed it. He doesn't actually have the memory of that, though, right? He doesn't have the memory of actually slaying her or anything, like, because no. I don't think he actually did it. I, I think maybe at one point he has this quick flashback, but he's not sure if it's really Because a my question is, like, because his memory's wiped and he's so confused, you get this moment at the very end of the film where you get Kiefer explaining what he did to him, right? And how he was yeah. in the process of injecting him yeah. when he woke up is how Kiefer explains it. But... Ooh. I don't understand, because, like, he has no memory, so he's no memory of being a killer, and before, in the scene, you don't see him inject him with anything, even though he does have a little bit of a blood spot. Right. So my question is, like, does he just wake up a blank slate, and that's why he's so, like, if he had woken up with the memories of the killer, hmm. would he have would he have acted in that way? But he obviously, re- he rejected them. And maybe that's, like, an evolutionary thing, almost. Does he like reject the, the situation is... he found himself in, or does he reject the memories that are actually in his head? Well, that's the question. I mean, Kiefer makes the comment, like, the doctor, keep calling mm-hmm. him just Kiefer, makes the comment, you've had dozens of lives before this one. Right. Right? right, right so right. obviously it was working every other time up until then. It seems strange that it just wouldn't work for some, just because he's poking a needle in his head. It almost feels like 
seems like what's going in is now being rejected. Like the body is saying, no thanks, I'm not taking that memory. Mm. And Mar- Markowitz, the cop, it was the same thing. So clearly this isn't just him as the chosen one. He didn't necessarily have powers, but he woke up during. He mm-hmm. said that he did. He's like, they, they, sometimes it happens. Sometimes people wake right. up. Yeah, the street bum slash former cop that he runs into yeah. at the subway when he's like, when he sees the Shell Beach uh, Express go through the subway and he's like, why didn't it stop? And like the guy's like, that's the express. And it's like, no, it's not. It was the Shell Beach. Yeah. And then, uh, and then the guy, yeah, he like goes and laughs and he's like, oh yeah, like some people wake up. I woke up once. Yeah. And then for some reason he's just this, I don't even know why he's still there then. You know what I mean? Like, why isn't he doing anything about it? <laughs> Well, he does right then and there, right? He says, but I know, but he's like, but I know how to, I know a way out now. And then he jumps in front of the subway train. Oh, right. Duh. Obviously. Yeah. I forgot about that part. Yeah. <laughs> I watched the movie three times That's in two his days. way out. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. That's a rough Ooh. way out, but I mean, it's almost like in the movie 1408, spoiler alert, came out a long time ago too, where, I mean, he's trapped in there and he tries to jump out the window, I think, in one scene, but then he just ends up right back in the thing so at least in this one it's because that's the thing you're left with questioning too are they are they even real people that were stolen from earth that are there are they clones are they are they from another planet that isn't earth that's just the same as earth and they have no because they don't know where they're from they're just you know and the cop makes that comment he's like where were we taken from i my answer to that would probably be that they just can't recall earth because they have the the memory of earth is wiped from everyone sure and that's as simple as that. It's almost like once it's once you erase the memory, like almost like the hard drive, right? Yeah. You can't recover it. Picture that for a second. Picture all their families being on Earth mourning their disappearance. And you're a cop in some weird morphing floating city in space and you have no idea. <laughs> right? Like you think you're a cop. You or think you think you're, you're a, a baker. Or you think you're a dentist or you think you're a really poor person you've been poor your whole life and then you wake up 20 minutes later and you're rich af but you didn't remember it yeah exactly and you're living you're in the swanky dining room with your wife who's sitting 20 feet away from you because you're at a really long dinner table right (laughs) you have no memory of it the part about it that literally makes no sense and john calls them out for this at the end he's like how are you trying to discover individuality by mixing things around all the time that's Mm -hmm. not that doesn't make any sense at all. So clearly these creatures, these beings have literally no sense of anything because they don't understand any social relationships at all. They just keep flip-flopping and switching around. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. The human condition hasn't been seen until essentially John. I feel like, I mean, it's a very humanist thing to say, but I feel like it it, it is true. It's like humans just want to fight back. Like we Mm. just want to try to claw and scrape and survive and not be you know? Yeah. I, I really liked what John said to the alien, the one that actually took his memories at the very end scene, right before he walks out to the dock onto the newly created ocean that he just made. Right. Um, he's in this dark, teeny tiny little alley. And then he hears the voice of the alien that took his memories and he confronts him, whatever they have this little interaction. But he says in the end, he's like, you wanted to know what makes us human. You're not going to find it here he like gestures to his forehead and that's very telling right because it's like 
there's more than just there's so the much more <laughs> and actually i'm gonna um do a shout out to ian over in the uk because yeah. he sent us um it's on our facebook forum but he sent us this amazing article about like the possibility of cells having memory yep. and all this stuff and how the heart could actually store memory and all that kind of stuff and store emotion potentially too. all these all these things it's mm-hmm. like a, it's a warehouse essentially Every, like, that's the, that's where we're getting into all sorts of other themes of, like, yeah, exactly, is the, is memory a physical thing? Or can it be, like, injected into people? That's so weird. But yeah, anyways, that's a side note. Liquid memories, yeah. Liquid memories. But I just love that article that he sent us. It kind of, it, it makes sense in this um, context, in my opinion, because it's not just the mind. Right. There are other centers and there are other, other areas of access to the soul, the, essentially. And that's, that is, that's what they're trying to find, ultimately the human yeah. soul. Mm-hmm. And I think the doctor makes that comment too. I remembered what yeah. question I was going to ask you. Oh, okay. Um, what, like the machines beneath their soil, as the doctor describes it, we're basically left to believe that like, they're just, they're powered by their telekinetic powers. But my question to you is like, what? Okay. I, I don't see how a race that could create that would be dying out because they don't have the ability to have an individual, individualistic thought. That doesn't make sense. To me, the premise of that is a little shaky, definitely. So for me, it's like, maybe it isn't just their, the energy of their telekinetic power, but it's like, essentially like, the only thing that I can think of on our planet would be like a uranium powered, crazy space generator that they just function with their telekinetic powers, but it Mm. isn't actually, you know what I mean? Because like, it's one thing to move something with your mind. It's one thing to... But to literally create matter out of nothing to create, do you get what I'm saying? Like, I feel like mm-hmm. there's almost more to it because what are the machines themselves made out of? Yeah. Either, right? Like what are the buildings themselves made is out of? Is it concrete? Like you would have concrete on earth? Seemingly. The like, brick was that's real. That's what it seems like, but they create it and it grows out of their little ground. So is it brick? I don't know. It it's just comes out weird... of, it's almost like a collection of matter from the universe, right? Like, sure. Because there guess. is a bit of like, it's almost like a funnel shape. Like there's like a tail leading away from it, from the center, from the bottom of the center. Yeah. And it just kind of like, there's just one scene where it really go- goes for a wide shot, wide mm-hmm. angle, and you mm-hmm. can kind of see that. So I honestly, yeah, I have no idea. But that's, yeah, that's definitely a, kind of a point that... <laughs> doesn't essentially make the only way i could see that making sense where it's like they're trying to find the the key to unlocking the human soul as as in individuality as a way of saving their race in the sense that potentially and this is this is a weird metaphor but almost like um say they got a collective disease a collective mental disease mental illness what if they all together experience this wave of it and it's actually like a parasite in itself that starts killing them off and there's no way to stop it unless you break the link in the chain. It's almost like removing the domino so you don't have the rest of the chain go down. Right. That's the only That's the only way I, I, I could think that would make sense. That's why they're on this big mission. And yeah. then in the end, when they actually bring them in, they're like, it's time, no more moving around, no more of this, we're going to make you one of us kind of thing. You remember that where they yeah. like wheel him in and he's all like strapped down and then, and then busts and, out. exactly right. So you get Kiefer giving him the inject, the wrong injection. He was supposed to make them one of them. And instead he gives him all of the answers, what he wanted to give them earlier in the movie. And he just doesn't accept it. Even though he's looking for answers. I hated that scene where he just like, anyways, he's like, I'll save this for later. Puts it in his coat. I was like, you just damn it. Just use it now. Yeah, <laughs> like, no why? <laughs> Trust him. Yeah. <laughs> but I, anyways, yeah. Where was I going with that? I'm not even sure. I don't know. But I love that scene, right? Okay, so from there you get the cop 
and, sorry, not the cop, like Bumstead was his yep. name, the, the Inspector Bumstead. Yeah. And him, they kind of take Kiefer hostage. I'm sorry, I'm just referring to him as Kiefer this whole time. It's way easier. You can <laughs> say really the doctor, is. but it's fine. But I like Kiefer. Yeah. It's a little nickname. Yeah, yeah, his actual yeah, name. Yeah. It's not even a nickname. But anyway, so they, they, <laughs> they take him on this, like, you know, like he's basically their hostage. And they proceed all the, the subway systems and sewers, and they're, like, in a boat at one time. And then they get to this this wall and it's like the wall and they break it down it's literally the void it's just nothing but space yeah that's that's like I, that was kind of like a mind-blown moment for me yeah because like, you what? didn't see like you discovered it later i missed this part where it, it's not technically space right outside the hole they there's smash. like a membrane that the inspector goes through when yeah. he gets like knocked out with one of the aliens because that when i first saw that i was like wait a second i thought they were floating in space this whole time like, yeah. that's not space. They like, that's some weird, just, I don't even know. A void of It reminded sort. me of Ant-Man when he, like, shrinks down to, like, subatomic, and he's, like, just chilling, mm. floating around. You know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so we got to the, basically the end here. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> there was this one note I made here about how, like, after he has that conversation with the guy and tells him, he's like, you, you're never going to know what makes us human if you're looking to our minds, essentially, as yeah. the seat of the soul or whatever. But as he as he goes through the door and you get, like, literally, like, the sun, it's just like this, oh, the sun coming up for the first time ever, right. seemingly. And I just love that because it's just such a classic metaphor for, like, finding the light, you know? Yeah. Like, it's so cliche to say, but yeah. I was like, damn like yeah. that's like full circle totally. and you get the whole connection with him and jennifer Connolly, even though seemingly they only knew each other for that brief instance when they met in the, the very like, yeah like they weren't the movie. together for a long time or anything no like it's just all fake memories yeah yeah there's so many metaphors with the darkness too just to like go back to that so it's like it's called dark city we find out that like the strangers don't like the dark that's why it's a dark city also they like to keep people you mean they don't like the light or sorry, they sorry they don't like the light, so they mm. keep it dark. They yeah. have to keep it dark, so they're like these weird. I don't even know, right? They they live in space where it's dark, so like whatever, right? They're also keeping people metaphorically in the dark. And mm. John makes that comment to uh, Bumstead. He's sitting there. He's like, "I'm as much in the dark as you are, literally, because it's night all the time, and nobody knows what the hell's going on." Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously yeah. the noir, the neo noir. Totally. Everyone's living in the dark. Yeah. Like, literally, like, their subconscious and their consciousness and everything. That was one of my favorite scenes, too, when Bumstead is starting to question it, and he's asking him questions about the darkness, and he's basically like, let me ask you something. When's the last time you remember daylight? Yeah, he, like, totally calls him out. He's like... And I'm not talking about a distant memory. No. Yesterday. Do you remember yesterday in the daytime? Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's like, can't remember. Could you imagine all of a sudden coming to that realization? And he, he does kind of reject it at first and then i loved it at the very end of that sort of interrogation scene where he's like explain this and he's just got like the, the dossier like floating above like out of, on just out in midair yeah it's just like and then you get no answer from him it just like switches scenes. <laughs> yeah, like... and i think it goes to is it a cabaret scene after that with uh, jennifer Connolly singing cabaret cabaret yeah. which was very i loved that too right like i i really noticed that like what she was saying the lyrics of her songs are very telling they're very right on point as far as the themes you get the one about the um 
oh, what was it? The first one is about like sway. the lover sway with me in yeah. the ocean, like the waves and all this stuff. Don't you know you have a way with me? Stay with me. Sway way with, with me, me. Sway with me. Exactly. So illusions, the ocean, yeah. shell beach, all yeah. that stuff. And then the second one where it's the runaround lover and how the little white lies with a thousand lives. I was like, oh, that's Ooh, so good. Like a thousand lives. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it was perfect. I love that. More it was than very a little seamless. white lie, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. I have a, uh, another thing that I don't think I brought up yet that's really interesting. When everything, it's really interesting what I have to say, everybody. It's not what I meant to say like that. Um, but uh, I think it's an interesting point. Let me have point. the mic here. <laughs> Give me the mic. <laughs> I think it's an interesting point of emphasis. The When they all go to sleep, when it hits midnight. Mm-hmm. Have I mentioned this yet with the bowl of soup? Nope. Okay. When the... <laughs> buy a hat like that, you should get a free bowl of soup. All right. Got that, that right was a danger field. Um, <laughs> but when the, when the poor family is then morphed into the rich family, mm-hmm. when, when it hits midnight before they make the changes, mm-hmm. the husband... Fo- I think both of them do, but the husband just pops his face right in a bowl of soup. And I'm thinking to myself instantly, like, that guy's going to drown. Mm-hmm. How, like, before they get there to give him the new memories, he's going to be dead. But he's not. Nope. And so... Literally, this place that they're on, this floating city, they they literally are stopping the linear sequence of time. They're capable so. of that. They're they right, which is another interesting thing. Why like the they are in turning. such dire straits because they can control time, right? You could just maybe think that his nose was submerged. No, his face was in a full, giant bowl of soup. Maybe it's just for dramatic effect. People have literally died that way. I bet you a person a year dies that way, falls asleep in a bowl of soup or passes out in a bowl of soup. <laughs> no, like, but like, re- really though, like, and and nothing, that's important because that reminds, oh man, I, I don't want to give guess, spoiler yeah. alert, spoilers away for other movies, but that reminded me of Arrival. With the idea, like, I'm not going to give anything away, but just, like, the idea of, like, non-linear time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Is interesting. Totally. I I never even actually thought about that part. I... And I'm not saying it's not non-linear, but but it's, like... I have an issue with that, too, because um, while they freeze the people, if that's what they're doing, they're really not doing that, though, because John is able to walk around. There's still stuff going on. There's still whatever, like, you know? I don't know. One other thing I want to talk about just before we wrap this up uh, was the importance of water. Yes. Uh, We did touch on that already. Like I said, like John obviously is found in the bathtub in the very first scene. I feel like water obviously came. The like, goldfish. The, he puts the exactly, goldfish into the bathtub. Exactly, the goldfish. Oh, you see the, yeah, the, the view, the shot of that from is beneath, very From through cool. the portal, right? Through the... So a lot of that has to do with the subconscious, dreams, all that kind of stuff. Like, those are the quintessential tropes of water, yeah. whatever symbology, if you want to call it that. Also, the idea of, like, um, washing away the past, cleansing, all that kind of stuff, purity. Yeah. Um, you can also go to the Jerry Seinfeld bit. <laughs> But how we are obsessed with water. Every everywhere we go, we're looking for water. We're going to the beach, and as soon as it starts raining, <laughs> one drop. Oh no! <laughs> Better cover our water bottles. <laughs> we just watched that episode the other day, so yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. I need to mention that. But th- th- it is very important, and you get the creation of the oceans in the end, and then them like the two of them, Jennifer Connelly and uh, what's whatever his name is, Markswell. Uh, yeah, just enjoying. Yeah. It's it's almost as if that's the connecting factor, mm-hmm. and that's the underpinning of everyone's memories, right? The collective right. memories of Shell Beach. Yeah, but no right. one knows how to get. Yeah, there. and he's asking everyone the whole movie, and he's in the cab, and he's like, "How do you get to Shell Beach?" And the mm-hmm. guy's like, "Oh, you take the, oh yeah, 
Gosh. The metro and all the... And nobody can remember. Yeah. It's so weird. It's Actually, the unattainable, right? It's the, the unattainable. The limitless expanse of the ocean. Here's another weird thing that might tie into the non-linear, non-linear time I want to throw in at the end. That relates to the water. Because he gives everyone an ocean. But when you see it pans out at the end and you can see this giant floating city and now it's in the middle and it's surrounded by water. My mm-hmm. question is... Are, is there the same number of inhabitants in the city? Or is there the same number of buildings in the city? Or did he remove some to make room for the water? Ooh. Or is their perspective the same? Is it constantly recycling? Right? Did is he the, literally manifest water? Yeah. Or Yeah. Is it bigger because there's water now? Is it the exact same? And literally, like, yeah, I don't know. They exist in what That's isn't even like a physical world the way we know it on earth okay. it's like it's the city is now smaller but they're still in it and it's and the there same. might be consequences for what he's done right because he even accepts that right when he's talking some of the very end conversation with the alien guy that took his memories and he says like i'm willing to accept that because he says like are you sure about this like he's oh, i'm just making some changes right and then they kind of have this thing where it's like i don't even yeah yeah Anyways, so, would you recommend least, it? Yes, I would say I would recommend that a lot. I can't even believe I haven't seen this movie before. I feel kind of like a I've movie seen the boob. cover a million times, and we've never rented it, which is bizarre. You've seen the cover? I've seen the cover in Leo's video. Shout Crazy. out to Leo's video. Um, huh. Yeah. I've never noticed it at all. Yeah. Obviously, you'd recommend it, too? Absolutely would recommend this movie. Better than <laughs> The Matrix. One more question for all of y'all out there. Post-ending of this movie, is John destined to become an all-powerful megalomaniacal dictator? <laughs> He's the only guy with powers here, so what's going to go on? He seems pretty chill. Is there going to be a Dark City Part 2? I don't know. Well, it was 1998, but... Uh, Maybe there was a Part 2. My only bone to pick was obviously Kiefer. I wish they got, like, one of the Sin City-type actors, or like a Samuel Samuel L. or somebody like that. What's his name? Josh Hartnell or something? Yeah, sure. Actually, no, he's... No, not for the Doctor. I don't know. Just someone a little bit more badass. Gary Busey? You know what I mean? (laughs) Gary Gary Busey. Hey, 98, he hadn't gone full crazy back then, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to another installment of Film Friday. We hope that you enjoyed this one, yeah. Dark City. If you haven't watched the movie, I know some of you guys listen before you watch. Make sure you check it out. It's awesome. And let us know what you think. Send us an email into the portal mailbox at gmail.com. Come join our forum. If you're not in the Facebook group and you do have Facebook, shame on you. Come mm-hmm. join the Facebook group. It's pretty sweet. We're posting articles all the time. It's it's really fun. It was fun. So join us there at Into the Portal Podcast. And it's the same on all our other socials, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll uh, see you guys again. And well, you'll hear us again in a couple of days with a new episode. Mm-hmm. Until then. Network.com.